Welcome to the NBA Deep Dives podcast. I am your host, Nick Agar-Johnson. We are back after a short little break, mostly due to the fact that I was incredibly sick last week, so tough times for me. But it is Draft Deep Dives Day today, so I am once again back with my co-host for Draft Deep Dives, Tyler Metcalf. Tyler, how are you doing this fine Wednesday afternoon? Nick, I'm great. Excited to be back on with you, talking some some draft, and very excited that you're feeling much better. Um, so, big thanks. Well, thank you much. Much appreciated on that front. And we have a special episode today. We are going to cover the top 40 of the 2022 NBA draft. Tyler, you recently put up your top 40 NBA draft prospects on hashtag basketball.com. So be sure to check that out before, during, and after listening to this podcast. And let's start off with the number one overall projected pick that you have in this draft class and also my number one overall projected pick for those who might care about that sort of thing. So number one, Chef Holmgren out of Gonzaga. What have you seen from him this year that's made you put him at the number one slot in your top 40? The big thing with Chet is that he just does everything at a really high level. Um, I, I, For starters, I think he's the best rim protector coming out of college probably since Anthony Davis, which is pretty high praise. I know Walker Kessler mm-hmm. had a historic block rate. Uh, we'll get to that later. But the way Chet kind of just swallows everything up at the rim, deters guys, uh, baits guys into taking really bad shots. It's all just, it's really artful. And I don't really care that he's skinny. Um, five, six years from now, if he's still the exact same weight without changing, you know, his, his, his muscle mass at all, then yeah, that'll be an issue. But like all teenagers, I kind of expect him to at least get sh- get stronger in some sense. Um, and then to kind of add on to that, he doesn't play like he has to overpower guys. If that's his, if that was his play style, then yeah, I would be a lot more worried about it. But he knows exactly who he is as a player on both ends of the floor and doesn't really vary from that. You know, he, he knows he's skinny, but he has a lot of fight in him. He has a lot of toughness. He knows the guys are going to come after him and he's not deterred. He uses his length, his timing, his agility, all of that to be super effective on both ends of the floor. Um, I don't think he's going to be winning scoring titles, but I think the shot will be good enough that it will be a legitimate weapon. Um, I think he's a really good passer. I think he can take guys off the dribble. Uh, Please don't compare him to Kevin Durant, anyone, because that's not who he is as a player. It's a disservice to both of them. But just his overall rim protection, I think he has a little bit more defensive versatility to his game than most other center prospects. I don't want him switching on the perimeter necessarily, but he can move pretty easily out there and then use his length to recover. And then he can just do a bit of everything on offense. Yeah, Chet really has the defensive potential to be special on that end of the floor in the NBA. And he already does enough on the offensive end that he'll certainly at least be able to contribute on that end. But if he can get better at generating his own shot, then his ceiling is just going to be something serious to behold. Up next at number two, we have another big man who is an excellent outside shooter in Jabari Smith out of Auburn. So what are your thoughts on him and why do you have him number two on your top 40? Yeah, so I I kind of, I'm at the point where I'm moving him and Paolo back and forth almost on a daily basis. Um, And, you know, I I have Jabari at number two right now just because I I love the defensive upside. Um, He didn't show much rim protection this year, uh, but he had 
Walker Kessler behind him. So I'm not sure he was really asked to. So I, I think there's a little more of that to his game than we we're able to see, but he might also be the most versatile defender in this class and the way at his size, the way that he can defend on the perimeter is really special. He has some of the best defensive footwork um, in the country. And then he might also be the best shooter in the country. So I do worry about his inability to really kind of create off the dribble or do much inside the arc. Um, That's not a one or two dribble pull up or a mid range turnaround, but at his size with that really high release point, really consistent form, it's it's it doesn't it almost doesn't matter that he can't create for himself um, because the shot is so good and so unstoppable. So that that insane shooting production combined with the absurd defensive versatility, it's going to be really hard to pass up on that. Well, someone who certainly can create his own shot, the guy you have at number three, Paulo Banquero out of Duke, who had the longest tournament run of any of these top prospects and definitely showed a lot in that tournament run, even though he had some periods certainly of more inconsistency towards the beginning of the season. Yeah, and I I think Paulo pretty easily had one of the most impressive tournaments out of anyone. You know, at the top of this group, if... I needed just one guy to go get me a basket. It would be Paulo. Um, the way he operates in the mid range, the way he combines dribble moves to sp- to spins to, you know, finishing through contact. It's all really impressive um, combination of skill, agility, strength. It's just something that we don't typically see from prospects his size. And I don't think the outside shot is ever going to be great, but I don't think it really needs to. He just kind of has to keep defenders honest. And then as the season progressed, we really saw that playmaking. Um, you know, step it up game after game after game. So if that continues to improve and he can be kind of one of these secondary initiators, I think that's a really versatile and unique offensive weapon that can really pretty much almost help any NBA rotation. And shocking, absolutely nobody who has been listening to this podcast all season, you have Johnny Davis out of Wisconsin at number four on your top 40. Yeah, and he's just the best guard in this class, in my eyes. Um, I, I, I 100% understand the arguments for Jaden Ivey. I, I'm not you know, going to try and refute them. But for me, Johnny Davis is you know, one of these guys that whoever, whoever is lucky enough to, to land him is not going to be disappointed. Um, he has an old school kind of scoring approach to his game. He's really good around the rim. He's got craft and touch with both hands. He can finish above or under the rim. Um, I think he's a better passer than the numbers suggest. And once he's surrounded by teammates who can knock down a three and provide literally any spacing, I think both his scoring efficiency and passing, uh, both improve. He's the best rebounding guard in this class. Uh, and then defensively, I think there's a lot to love. Um, only nitpick is shocking with the footwork. Um, it, it's a little sloppy at times, but the motor, the anticipation, the instincts, all of that is so good that it makes up for the inconsistent footwork. So when it comes to two-way guards, I, I think Davis is pretty easily a can't miss. And up next at number five, the player who I have as the best guard prospect in this class, although we both are very much in on both of yes. these guys, Jade Divey at number five out of Purdue. Yes. I, listener, please do not get mistaken. I'm still very, 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 very much in on Jaden Ivey. I love Jaden Ivey. Um, I just, I worry about the defense because uh, it was brutal. Uh, maybe that's I'm hoping that that was kind of just situation-based and the fact that they ran everything through their centers and he just kind of got sick of it. 
Um, I still prefer him more as an off guard than a lead guard, uh, at least short term. Maybe long term he can develop into that. But the and the, the athleticism, the burst, it's absurd. And I think he really showed the shooting this year that both you and I expected him to show. Um, he's almost unstoppable when he attacks to his right or in transition. So th- there's so much to love with him. And if a team can really develop that playmaking and turn him into a lead guard, it- it's going to be tough to, uh, you know, a couple of years from now to look back and see him going fourth or later and be like, Oof, that looks rough now. Speaking of, Outside shooting at number six on this list, you have a prospect whose draft stock has been on a bit of a roller coaster this season, but certainly we're on the upswing at this point. AJ Griffin, small forward at Duke. AJ is probably one of the hardest evals for me because you you can see the talent, especially the shooting. The shoot, the off ball shooting, especially, is obvious because I mean, he was at near fifty percent for most of the season, which is just absurd. The real question mark is. Is he is that all he is, or does he have more on ball creation and you know scoring in his game that he just wasn't allowed to show because of the role that he was put in at Duke? So this year the the defense was really inconsistent. So I don't love that, but it's for me right now. AJ is just this massive home run swing. Um, that if he does have a lot more of that on ball creation that we saw occasional flashes of. Um, to his game, then, you know, I, I really think teams could be striking gold in the early to mid lottery with him. AJ Griffin had one of the slower starts of any of the prospects on this list, but the guy you have at number seven had an almost historically great start to the season and just sort of kept it up all year long. Definitely someone who stuffs the box score in number seven, Keegan Murray out of Iowa. Keegan's so tough because when you when you watch his game, nothing pops out like it does like with the the, the top six guys. Where when you watch those guys, it's like they, they hit you in the face with their talent and their athleticism and all that. And Keegan is just consistent execution throughout an entire game, and it's just death by a thousand cuts. He just does a little bit of everything at a really high level, and he he rarely wows you. He rarely shocks you when. You watch him, but then you look at the box score after, and it's 25, 10, and 6, and it's just like, holy shit, where did that come from? Um, so it's just every single possession is really high-level execution. He may not have as high of a ceiling as some of these other guys in the top 10, but I certainly think he has one of, if not the highest floors in this class. Well, certainly someone who hit me in the face repeatedly (laughs) with their athleticism whenever I watch them and anybody else who watched him as well. Jalen Duran, the 6'10 center prospect out of Memphis. Duran had a brutal season, um, at least in the first half, and the situation I don't think could have been worse for him. Uh, That that Memphis team desperately needed a point guard. Jalen Duran desperately needed a point guard. But as the season progressed, he did exactly what we want from young players. He improved dramatically and by the, the 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 player that we saw at the end of the season and in the tournament is completely different than the one we saw in the first half of the season so Duran is a and he's a physical and athletic freak I don't really think he's ever going to develop much of a jump shot um, but there, there are flashes of really impressive passing his rebounding is super impactful really good rim protector I'm a little more skeptical than others on how versatile a defender he can be. 
primarily in space and on the perimeter. I think he's a little heavy-footed out there. But the way he was running in transition at the end of the year, the consistency, the high motor on both ends of the floor throughout an entire game was really impressive. So if, if a team's willing to you know, invest time into developing this guy who should just be entering his first year of college next season, you know, taking one of the youngest guys in this draft with that physical build and that level of potential, it's going to be really hard for a team not to take him in the top 10. From Jalen Duran at number eight to number nine, where we have one of the most impressive sophomores in this year's class, someone who probably would have been in consideration for a first round pick last year, but seems almost guaranteed at this point to go in the lottery this year, Benedict Matherin, shooting guard out of Arizona. Kind of the inverse of Duran's um, situation. Matherin's I don't think could have been much better for him because he was allowed, he was just surrounded by size and allowed to really be this dominant off ball scorer. I, I love his athleticism. I really like his defense when he locks in that's kind of an issue that he doesn't always lock in, but when he does, I think he's a really good defender. And then just that off ball scoring where he's knocking down shots off the catch, uh, cutting, finishing above the rim. It, it's really hard to not envision him being successful in an NBA rotation because almost every single NBA team is looking for an off ball scoring wing like Matherin with his athleticism. The only question and why I, you know, lean more towards the back half of the lottery with him is that I'm still a little skeptical about what he can do on ball. And if he doesn't have that on ball equity or creation to his game, then taking him, you know, for sure in the top 10, it's, I just get a little hesitant over that. And rounding out the top 10, one of our personal favorites and recent national championship winner, Oshai Agbaji out of Kansas. Agbaji is kind of similar to Matherin. Um, in terms of role and fit, obviously he's older, um, but the way that he significantly improved his game since his just year after year at Kansas was so impressive. Um, I, I think the shooting improvement is legitimate. He's not much of an on-ball creator, but he's a good straight line driver, good cutter, good off-ball mover, uh, good scoring and transition. And given how much he's improved his all-around game in the past couple of years, I'm not counting him out on improving anything else. Um, and also with a a lesser workload on offense, I expect that defense to really rise back to the levels that we saw in previous seasons. Um, we really see his defensive impact um, when he's away from the ball, but this team defense and rotations and communication uh, is just on ball this year where it slipped off a little bit, but I, I do expect that to kind of pick back up once he, once that on-ball responsibility is kind of taken away from him. At number 11, you have one of the prospects who certainly for me has been among the hardest, if not the hardest to evaluate this season. And I'm a little bit more out on him at this point than you are, but I think I'm still more in than sort of the average evaluator. But at number 11, you have Patrick Baldwin Jr. out of Milwaukee. Yes. I mean, if if we're just going off of this year's tape, then, you know, Baldwin probably wouldn't be a top 60 guy because this year was awful for him. But at that size with those shooting mechanics and what he kind of displayed in terms of feel for the game, I was really impressed. And just especially in this draft where it's not super deep in the first round, 
I think if you can take a home run swing on a guy like that in at the very end of the lottery, I think it's worth it because I, I expect the shooting to be legitimate. Um, I was pretty impressed with his team defense and the way he moved the ball and pa- passed, you know, while he was playing, I thought was really impressive. So all I'm kind of taking away from this year for him is that he proved he's not ready to be a primary guy. But if you put him as the third or fourth or fifth option in a rotation, then I think expectations and his effectiveness significantly change. Up next at number 12, you have Jeremy Sohan out of Baylor. Just kind of one of these young, do-it-all, super intelligent um, forwards. The The shooting percentages were pretty brutal this year, but he was willing to take them. He was willing to kind of get into different types of shots, which I think is encouraging, even though the mechanics need some refinement. But the way he moved the ball, the way he rebounded, and just his real his overall defense, I thought was so impressive that, you know, he wasn't the freshman from Baylor I expected to be in the lottery at the beginning of the season. But throughout the entire year, he just displayed a really high level of basketball IQ. And then that combined with the rebounding and the ball movement and actual production, I, I think he's one of these guys that he may not make bad team good, but he could help make a good team great. At number 13, you have Max Christie. And on a previous podcast, I said that I thought Jaime Jaquez might be the player that we disagreed about the most <laughs> in this draft. I am realizing now, remembering now rather, that I am wrong because we definitely disagree more about Max Christie out of Michigan State, who, speaking of rough percentages from the floor, he did not exactly have an efficient season shooting the ball, but you still fully buy in, clearly, having him at number 13 in your top 40. So why are you still so in on Max Christie? It For me, it's... Kind of similar to Patrick Baldwin, where, yes, I know the percentages and production weren't necessarily there, but when you show me the off-ball movement, the shot preparation, the shooting mechanics, um, I refuse to believe that Christie will not be a lights-out shooter. And then that combined with the defensive footwork and on-ball defense at that size, I think is super impressive. And those are two really unique skills that when you combine them, you get an awesome player i know the production was brutal this year i know the he was super inconsistent but for me it's just an ultimate bet on the talent and it's a home run swing it's probably higher than he will go i at this point i almost even expect him to return to school but i i just refuse to believe that there isn't a really talented wing in there and He's one of the the few freshmen that actually still looked kind of like a high schooler. So as he continues to develop his body and add muscle, I think the shooting percentages improve. So what, what, whether the best spot for him to do that is at Michigan State or in the NBA is a different question um, or in the conversation. But I'm, it's just a bet on the talent. And I, I think this kid is super talented. And rounding out the lottery at number 14, you have Kentucky point guard Ty Ty Washington. Ty Ty is another one of these where it was kind of brutal watching him down the stretch because he just never really seemed to get that ankle fully healthy. And you, you could kind of tell he, he lacked that same lift in the mid range. The first step looked a little slower. Um, 
and a little kind of similar to Christie, it's a bet on the talent and the what he showed in the first half of the year. I thought when he was healthy, I thought was pretty impressive and the foundation for a really good guard. Um, I also think he was in kind of a crappy situation playing next to Severe Wheeler. Um, I thought Ty Ty should have been the primary point guard that entire time because his pick and roll. Uh, creation both scoring and playmaking was really impressive uh, when he was healthy I think the shooting um, from outside is going to be legitimate so I'm really underwhelmed by this point guard class but it's kind of like the NFL draft where quarterbacks always go higher than they should I kind of expect some of these point guards to go higher than they probably should and I definitely think Ty Ty uh, is far and ahead the best point guard in this in this draft All right, now we are out of the lottery at pick number 15. And here at 15, you have Tari Eason out of LSU. Tari kind of came out of nowhere for most of us in terms of his Mm -hmm. production and impact. Just really athletic, just gets to the rim at will. The shot started coming around um, as the season progressed, which was really encouraging. And then I I think he's a pretty positive passer for his size um whether that shooting in the second half of the season was legitimate or not you know I, I guess we'll find out because the mechanics are a little funky with a, like a shot put release next to his head um and then defensively he was just an awesome defensive playmaker and caused chaos regularly especially in that lsu system that was high pressure all the time um i do think that led to him gambling a lot and you know i i think that there is a middle ground for him to kind of find how quickly he finds that. I'm not sure. Um, but then against NBA level defenders, it will be interesting to see whether or not that scoring, that downhill scoring really translates because he doesn't have much in terms of counter moves or going to his left and finishing with his left. So if defenders really cut that off and the shot isn't you know, what we saw in the second half of the year, then I get a little more concerned about who he is in the NBA. So you referenced this guy in the Jeremy Suhan section. He's fallen off a little bit after a very hot start to the season, but you still have him at number 16, Kendall Brown out of Baylor. Yeah. Kendall really exploded at the beginning of the year and he, he at six foot eight, 205 pounds, he pretty quickly emerged as one of the best athletes in this class. Um, we saw that really on when he ran in transition and with his off ball movement, especially his cutting. Unfortunately, that was kind of the only spots he was really effective on offense. He showed some glimpses of passing and attacking closeouts, but his reluctance to shoot from outside was really concerning um, because, you know, guys like Suhan aren't awesome shooters, but that confidence and willingness to shoot at least keeps defenders honest. And the fact that Brown regularly turned down just wide open looks is kind of concerning. And then the fact that he didn't really utilize that athleticism on a consistent basis defensively, uh, I think is pretty worrying because his rebounds were lower than you wanted. His steal rate, his block rate were all lower than you would think of someone of his kind of physique and archetype. So he's really going to have to work on a lot in terms of his team defense and processing speed. Up next at number 17, someone who in their best moments looks like they might be a potential superstar, someone who in their worst moments looks like someone who might fall out of the league pretty quickly. Number 17, Jaden Hardy out of the G League Ignite program. 
I, I think Hardy really should, and yeah, I guess he is starting to get a lot more credit um, for how he finished the year with the Ignite because at the beginning it was it was rough, but he went from straight from high school with no FIBA play into playing against grown men and grown athletes who are trying to fight for a job in the NBA and prove that they belong, and that's going to be rough for any 18-year-old, but as the season progressed, Hardy really showed a lot of improvement and they put him in situations to make him uncomfortable and to grow and improve his game, which I think he did. Um, you know, I, I still don't think he has that top five potential that he entered the season being discussed as, but I do think he will be a good off ball shooter. I think the passing really improved as the season progressed. It's just, I, I don't know if he is going to end up having any of that on ball juice that we kind of hope for, because I think he's a below average athlete and that's really going to hurt his space creation. Um, and then the ball handling is just kind of mediocre and defensively it's not, not ideal. Someone who faced similar circumstances, but is a very, very different player at number 18, also out of the G league ignite Dyson Daniels. Yeah. D- Daniels will probably rise up in the the next version of this um i know he's listed at six six on here but recent reports apparently he's six eight which is a pretty significant growth spurt um i think he might be the best perimeter defender in this class and despite what you see about him being called a knockdown shooter he is not um the 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 shooting consistency at least uh over the season kind of struggled and I don't think he's a really high-level playmaker. Similar to Hardy, though, uh, towards the end of the season, things started clicking with Daniels, and he really started to improve. We saw a little more of the shooting that we hoped to see, but just the size and the defense alone make him a potential lottery pick. If the the playmaking and shooting improvements that we saw towards the end of the season are legitimate, then we're talking about a guy who could pretty easily go anywhere from 5 to 10. Up next at number 19, one of the most versatile scorers in this class, Gabriel Prochita, the Italian shooting guard. Yeah, and for me, Prochita is pretty easily the best international prospect in this draft. Um, I, I love his scoring versatility. He's a really good athlete, really good shooter, uh, moves off ball really well, and he's got a lot of confidence to his game, which I absolutely love. Uh, defensively, he's really inconsistent. Um, but there is that upside and that at his size and athleticism, I think there's enough there to be passable, but just the, the scoring and offensive upside alone are easily enough to buy in on for me. Up next, another top tier recruit whose draft stock has tumbled a bit due to a really inconsistent year shooting from the outside, Caleb Houston out of Michigan. Houston's kind of in a similar boat for me as PBJ and uh, Christie, where it's, it's just a bet on the talent. And I, I know the production was super inconsistent and for a lot of the year, just not even there at all, but I do think he will be a good shooter. Um, I think his basketball IQ is through the roof and we really see that with his passing and off ball movement. And then his defensive his positive defensive impact really improved as the season progressed. Uh, at the beginning, it was pretty rough uh, by the, end of the year you know he was an average defender which that doesn't sound like a significant improvement but it is in the grand scheme of things and over a 30 game schedule so 
the the big difference with Houston and you know PBJ and Christie is that I think Houston's pretty significantly a worse athlete, and that if the shot really isn't falling for him, that's really going to hold him back. Up next, one of my personal favorites in this draft and someone who has dramatically improved their stock even since last season, even though last season they were definitely someone I considered as a draftable project, Ohio State's EJ Liddell. Yeah, at, at only 6'7", um, Liddell's kind of an undersized power forward, but he plays a lot bigger than he's listed. He's really strong, really physical, great rebounder. The the big difference between this year and last year is that the outside shot was consistent and impressive throughout the entire season. And I, I think that is really why he's now being considered a first round pick instead of a second round flyer, because he's proving that he can score inside on post-ups or rolling to the rim or offensive rebounds. But now he's also proving that he can knock down pick and pop or shooting off the catch and that ability to provide that spacing, um, is a huge reason why he's, you know, almost a top 20 guy for me right now. And then at that size and that strength, I think he has a lot of defensive versatility that some of the, some of the other forwards in this class necessarily don't have. At number 22, one of the more consistent prospects in this draft and someone who also had a pretty solid tournament run, Mark Williams out of Duke. Yeah. So it's kind of similar to Daniel's I promise that Williams will be higher than this in the the next iteration. Um, I, I think Williams is the most NBA ready center in this class. Uh, he's really good rim protector, really comfortable in the pick and roll, showing different looks, whether he's at the level or hard hedging or just playing a pure drop. He's got really good footwork, um, a little heavy footed and isn't the quickest of players, but he uses his, I think he has like a seven, seven wingspan, which is just absurd. Um, he uses that to perfection to really usher guys to where, to where he wants them to go. And that really never takes him out of the play. And then offensively, he's super low maintenance. He runs the floor better than any other center in the country. Um, he gets that early seal. He's a really good rebounder, really good shot blocker and a really good, above the rim finisher he catches everything and is super effective on the roll up next at number 23 the fourth duke prospect that you have projected as a first round pick guard trevor keels keels is built like an nfl linebacker um just being 18 and a half and built like that it's pretty absurd um I I really buy in on the shooting. I know it was super inconsistent and that's the biggest issue with keels I think this season but I think as he continues to age and improve and, you know, really hone his craft, I think the shooting will be a weapon, but the way he was able to just manage the game from a point guard perspective, I thought was pretty impressive for someone as young as he is. I I think he has really good feel for the game on both ends of the floor. And then it's just defensively off ball is just some inconsistencies that we really see a lot of from young players. So it, it wasn't enough to be like, Ooh, that's a huge red flag, but it was like, eh, okay. Yeah. He's still just an 18 year old. And you know, the occasional back cut is going to happen. But at, at that size, that strength, I think at worst, he's a good def- defensive guard um, who can, you know, r- run a pick and roll, find the open shooters and cutters. And then best case scenario, it's all of that plus, you know, him being a really positive outside shooter. 
And up next at 24, you mentioned him during the Chet Holmgren section, a serious shot blocking prospect who was pretty close to setting some shot blocking records actually this past season in Walker Kessler out of Auburn. Yeah. I, I, last time I checked, I'm not sure if he finished here or not, but last time I checked, he had the, the highest block rate of any college player ever, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, not bad. Um, so I just that that pure rim protection alone makes him a, a pretty obvious first round pick, um, at least in my eyes. I think he's a really good rim rebounder too, and similar to Mark Williams, I think that vertical spacing with him, especially out of the role, is legitimate. Uh, big issue is he wants to shoot. You can tell that he wants to shoot. I'm not so sure he's going to shoot. I, I think the form is kind of ugly. It's like this catapult-like release, and I, I think it needs some work, but he clearly wants to shoot. So if it's something that he works on and really develops and improves, then I think we're potentially talking about a Brooke Lopez light you know, type player because I, I, I know that's, that's a tough comparison, especially for you, um, because Brooke showed it absurd amount of touch in the low post um, before he developed that outside shot. And I don't think Walker has that same level of touch. So it it will be really interesting to see if that shot develops or not. If it does, then I think he's this pretty versatile uh, starting center for quite some time. If he's not, then I think he's more of kind of a gadget um, backup center. Someone who almost all draft evaluators are much higher on than I am, including you, obviously. At number 25, you have Bryce McGowan's out of Nebraska. McGowan's is one of the toughest for me because so much of what he does is exactly what I hate in prospects. I I think his shot, shot selection is atrocious. Uh, his defense is really bad. But... Um, as the season progressed, he started being more determined and intentional about attacking the rim. And that's when his scoring efficiency and production really took a turn. And when, when he gets downhill, he's really tough to stop. And then that intentionality about attacking the rim opens up the outside shot. So if, if he's able to really correct a lot of those bad habits, which is asking a lot, I think there's a really promising scoring guard in there. Um, If he's not, then we're not going to be talking about him too much longer. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I'm glad that he decided to go pro because I do think the NBA is going to be the best spot for him to kind of iron out those bad habits and, you know, not just get rewarded because if he would have gone back, I think he, his production could have been insane at Nebraska next year, but I think it would have been a lot more of the same where he's taking these bad shots. He's just, having immense production and those bad habits instead of being corrected are kind of being inflated. And up next at number 26, you have one of the draft prospects whose stock has heated up the most over the past couple of months, who probably would not have been considered as a first round pick until say mid February, but certainly since then has been a very popular pick to shoot up into that first round. You have at number 26, Malachi Branham out of Ohio state. Yep. I really like Branham's game. And from the start of the season, he showed that he was a 
a lethal off-ball shooter, um, especially off the catch, just spotting up. And then B, that he was a really good passer, not to the point where he's going to be initiating the offense or anything, but that he can run a pick and roll. He can make that extra pass. He can find a cutter, or kick out of drives. And that's really important for an off-ball scoring guard. I do think he will be a good defender, kind of similar to Keels. There were those inconsistencies that we see from young players. So I'm not super worried about it, but I, his size and just general instincts um, is really encouraging for me. And then his straight line driving was super impressive. I do worry about his kind of lack of space creation. the The jumper is really pretty. He gets to a gets to a spot in the mid range really consistently. Um, he needs to speed up the release a little bit, and I think a lot of that mid range production was him making just getting absurdly hot for about a month and hitting every single mid-range jumper he took, which is an impressive skill and something that should be applauded. I just worry about how much space and kind of versatility to his ball handling there really is. Um, So I don't think that he's going to be this really lethal on-ball scorer that some people are projecting him as. Maybe he is, but that's not how I see him. But if he's used as that more more of an off-ball scoring option who can then attack closeouts and then create off of that, then I think it's a really, really enticing prospect. Up next at number 27, a prospect that you and I have discussed many a time (laughs) so far this season. I certainly am a lot more bought in on him than you are, but you do still at least have him as a first-rounder, so I don't have to get too upset (laughs) about it. But you have at number 27, Nikola Jovic, the power forward out of Mega Mozart. Yeah. And at that size with his shooting ability, it's, you know, another one of these kind of archetypes of players. that's going to be tough to pass up because that just combination alone is enough to, you know, get guys into a rotation. And then that combined with his passing and playmaking, I think is super impressive. I do worry about, you know, what he is defensively, the kind of lack of athleticism and how that hinders him as a scorer and creator. Um, so a lot of like the step back threes and pull up threes are look really nice and are impressive. And that skill is important to have, but I worry that he takes those because he has to due to his physical limitations. Um, but I, you, you're much higher on Jovic than I am though. So please, please try and Give me a better, more encouraging selling point than than what I just provided. I mean, for me, I think that his passing touch at his size is something that you don't pass up on very easily. I definitely buy into his shot more than most people. I think the form on it looks solid. There are mm-hmm. some that don't look as great, but I think that with a larger sample size, his three-point shooting is going to look a lot better than it did this year. And certainly it did look a lot better during the latter portion of the season. He had a really, really slow start in terms of his long range shooting, but I think he's a much better shooter than his numbers, particularly from early in the season show. And when you combine his ability as a passer at his size with his shooting touch, I think it'll be hard for teams to pass on him. I have him as a late lottery guy and I think that there are a lot of teams that could definitely use his combination of offensive skills. Yeah, that, that that makes a lot of sense. And if you are really buying into those, you know, the, the passing and the shooting at that size, then I, I definitely see where you're coming from. Up next at number 28, we have someone who 
also had a roller coaster of a season who started really, really slow, but had some impressive moments, particularly down the stretch of the season at number 28, Peyton Watson out of UCLA. I, I, I'm not sure I'll ever forgive McCronin for just not giving this guy any minutes at all. It's like, okay, Mick, when, you, when you're playing these low-level Cal State teams at the beginning of the season and you're up by 30, Peyton can play more than eight minutes in a game. Um, I, I think if he would have, I think we would have seen, you know, Matisse Thibel esque defense from him, what he showed in some of those uh games in the Pac twelve tournament defensively was truly absurd. I think his rebounding, his defensive versatility, his rim protection, his length are all enough to at least eventually get him into a rotation. He definitely needs to bulk up. Uh I think the shot needs a lot of work obviously and but offensively he also provides a, a unique um passing contribution that I don't think we typically get from small forwards his age so I I really like the passing I love the defense he needs to get stronger and the big thing is if that shot comes around or not if, if he gets into a shooting development program uh, like most of these NBA teams have now and he really takes a turn with that, then I think we could be talking about a pretty lethal two-way wing. Up next at number 29, another defense-first prospect who's been particularly impressive with their on-ball defense, even though there are certainly questions about them off-ball as well as on the offensive end, but still a really solid defender when he has his guy in front of him at number 29, Marjan Beauchamp out of the G League Ignite. Yeah, Beauchamp is just a... Uh, he's a really cool kind of development story from a prospect. Just if you, if you just go through his resume and just look at where he's risen out of um, from like Juco and now the G league ignite and now being mocked as a a first round prospect in the vast majority of places. It's just a cool story. Um, I'm not sure that he's ever more than kind of an athletic energy off ball wing in the NBA, but those guys get paid and those guys are important to rotation. So I, I really like him in transition. Um, I think his on-ball defense when he's locked in um, can be really impressive and still has another step or two to take, but the the foundation and the athleticism and, you know, the desire is there for that to be a real skill. And then as the season progressed, that off-ball shooting by him really improved, which is so important for him because I, I don't think he really needs to do much on ball creation or scoring, but if he can consistently knock down those corner threes, that will do wonders for his playing time. And wrapping up the first round at number 30, another shared favorite of ours, someone who has an interesting offensive game and an absolutely tantalizing <laughs> defensive ceiling at number 30, Musa Diabate out of Michigan. I adore Diabate's defense. It's I, I think he could end up being one of the most versatile defenders out of this class. I think he's he really moves his feet well. He's really strong, and he might have the highest motor in this class, uh, which obviously helps him be one of the best rebounders in this class. Um, offensively, that's the big question mark because you can when you watch him, it's clear that he's rushing a lot and he really needs that game to slow down mentally for him. Um, I, I think there's some promising interior scoring stuff there. He showed an occasional mid-range jumper, but that the jumper is just not an actual weapon right now. Um, so 
if that comes around combined with his defense, then we're talking about a really, really impactful uh, power forward. Um, if it doesn't, then, you know, unfortunately it's a, a defensive first guy, but in the right rotation, you know, the, the, his minutes could vary pretty significantly. And starting off the second round, now into the final 10 prospects in the top 40, you have at number 31, another athletic big man with serious defensive potential, Ismail Kamagate. What fascinates me the most of the Kamagate is actually his scoring and the the way that he can really, the, the, the versatility of his interior scoring, both out of the roll in the post uh, cutting. I think he, he relocates out of the dunker spot and in the lane really well. He's got a really high motor too, good athlete. And he's even shown some really impressive passing flashes that are, you know, not obviously a weapon like they would be for Jokic, but a tool and something that helps keep the ball moving and find cutters and shooters. Uh, I, I do worry about his ball security. He gets stripped a lot on digs. Um, I'm not sure the shooting comes around, uh, but I'm not sure it needs to. If he can just develop a consistent 15-footer, I think that's enough. Um, and then defensively, he's just really raw. Um, he gets lost in space a lot. The The flashes of the good stuff are incredible. I just need to see a little more of that um, and just an, an increase in his processing speed and you know decision-making. Speaking of intriguing passers, at number 32, you have Ryan Rollins out of Toledo. Yeah, Rollins is kind of a similar player to Branham, um, at least in my eyes. I, I think Rollins is a really impressive passer, especially for his position. Um, the on-ball defense, I think, is legitimate. And that mid-range scoring was a legitimate was a serious tool and weapon and really difficult for him to stop. Um, the outside shooting percentages weren't ideal and where you want them to be. But when you watch his form and the way he gets into his shots, the the form is consistent and fluid. It's the exact same form that we see in the mid-range. So I, I think eventually as he continues to improve his body and get stronger, um, that outside shot will really develop. But I don't think he has the same kind of on-ball juice that Branham potentially does. I I think he's a slightly lesser athlete. Uh, The off-ball defense also is not ideal uh, for me. So as an off-ball scorer who can attack closeouts, I think there's a lot of upside with Rollins. Up next at 33, another intriguing center prospect. This is a very interesting center draft. We've talked about that before on here, but... Yet another one of those intriguing center prospects at number three, Christian Coloco out of Arizona. Yeah, I, I know Kessler won Defensive Player of the Year um, in college, but I, I think Coloco very easily could have as well. I, I think he's he was one, pretty easily one of the most impressive defensive centers in the country. The vertical spacing is really impressive um, and really consistent. He catches everything, and the the amount that he's grown as a player from last year to this year um, is incredibly encouraging. The shooting, I don't think ever really gets there. I don't think he's ever much of an offensive threat. Um, the The post moves are really rudimentary, but the vertical space in the way he runs in transition, he gets early seals a lot that just make it super easy for that entry pass and an easy dunk. So 
the the big selling point with Coloco is the defense because it's really absurd and really impressive. And then it's just and then he's another one of these vertical spacing, low maintenance guys on offense. Up next at 34, one of the more polarizing prospects in this draft, but certainly someone who has a lot of talent, Kennedy Chandler, point guard out of Tennessee. Yeah, I'm still not quite sure what to do with Chandler. And he's, I, I really want to like him. Um, he is tiny, which is an issue. We've talked about him a bunch on here before. I, I do like the at-rim finishing, though. I think he uses his body really well. I think he's got good touch, good craft, um, but he doesn't have a floater. His floater is one of the worst in the country this year, and not being able to score in that mid-range and intermediate area is a huge issue for someone his size because defenders can just run him off the three-point line, and then rim protectors can just sag back to the rim, and he's not a threat to do much of anything. Uh, something I really did like, though, as the year progressed with them is that they started using him more as an off-ball scorer, and I think using him that way really allowed him to use his quickness to create scoring opportunities and get downhill by running off screens. Uh, so that that was a nice wrinkle and something I think we could see more of in the NBA. Um and then just the 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 defense is going to be a huge issue with him. I, I think he navigates screens really well. He has some of the best hands on defense, but he's small, so he's going to be a one-position defender um, from the start just because of the size. And then, you know, even still, he'll still be small for a point guard defender. Up next at number 35, one of my favorite prospects in this draft, someone who's an incredible playmaker and an absolute monster of a finisher around the basket. Number 35, Alondis Williams out of Wake Forest. Yeah, Alondis is just pretty absurd when he attacks the rim, and it's he gets there with such ease, and he's a really good athlete. Um, if if anyone did not see the college dunk contest, I highly recommend going back and watching the highlights because what Alondas did in that was really impressive. And then he's also one of the most creative playmakers um, in the country and one of the best rebounding guards in the country. So all of that is really intriguing. Um, the big thing is just what is he as a shooter? And if he's not shooting at all, if that doesn't translate like we hope it does, then I think his ability to really pressure the rim um, lessens. So it will be interesting because he is he, he is an older guard, so there's theoretically not a ton more um, to go development-wise, but kind of similar to Ibaji, the amount that Alondis has grown coming into this year, it's kind of hard to bet against guys like that. Up next at number 36, you have Jalen Williams out of Arkansas. To be clear, that's Jalen Williams out of Arkansas, not Jalen <laughs> Williams out of Santa Clara. Yeah. Uh, God, it's tough because Jalen Williams is pretty easily one of my least favorite watches in college basketball because of how much he flops on these godforsaken charge calls. Um, but maybe he's the most charming human being to ever step foot on a basketball court because he has these refs in his pocket. Um, I don't think that that is going to translate as seamlessly to the NBA as he may hope. It, it, it is a legitimate skill. It is a good weapon on defense and it really highlights his defensive awareness and, you know, timely rotations. I also don't want my center's main defensive skill to be taking a charge. So I worry that he's, that he provides almost no rim protection um, 
the post-up scoring is pretty minimal. Um, and just his overall athleticism is not great. Um, but he is extraordinarily intelligent as a basketball player, really good rebounder. And maybe if he's put in a defensive scheme that has him playing more at the level and using his lateral quickness and mobility to stay with guys and deter them out on the perimeter, instead of trying to block them at the rim, then maybe we see that defense really take a jump. Up next at number 37, another one of my personal favorites, someone who struggled with his shot this season, but throughout his college career has been a very solid shooter, also an excellent free throw shooter, which for those who know that I'm a partial free throw shooter, I certainly am buying into that. In addition to that, he's also one of the smartest passers in this year's class, someone who pretty much never makes a mistake with the ball in his hands. Iverson Molinar at number 37 out of Mississippi State. It's really hard not to root for or to root for Molinar or just enjoy his game when you watch it. Um, the The outside shooting drop off this year was a little weird, and it looked like he kind of threw a a bit of a hitch um, at the top of his release, which was unexpected, and I think kind of a big reason why his you know shooting effectiveness dropped off. But once he gets in that mid range, he is so freaking effective, whether it's scoring or passing or finding cutters or setting other setting guys up um once he gets into that mid-range he is absolutely lethal and the the game just is so slow for him um on ball i really like his defensive footwork i just hit the the big selling point though is that decision making in the mid-range and how he can score get a bucket at will pretty much in that area or create for others up next at number 38, someone who has had a very good week, Christian Brown out of Kansas. Yeah, but Brown's improvement over the last year, uh, similar to Igbaji, is just a real testament to A, his work ethic and Kansas's development staff. Um, I, I think the outside shooting is legitimate. It, he ended up pulling his three-point percentage up to about 39%. I think he's a dog on the court on both ends of the floor, and he's a really tremendous finisher in transition. The The big development with him this year is how he improved attacking closeouts and his ball handling in that realm. He still needs a little more wiggle when he gets to the rim because he's pretty exclusively a two foot leaper. So he struggles with Euro steps and kind of avoiding rotations, but his ability to finish at the rim has really improved. And that ability to pass out to either, well, whether it's a lob out of the drive or a kick out to a shooter is really important for what type of role he'll have in the NBA. Up next at number 39, you have Justin Lewis out of Marquette. Tremendous rebounder took a, huge scoring jump this year which i think is really legitimate and that his ability to space the floor is really important and then not only that is that outside shot opens up driving lanes for him and his ability to attack closeouts the i i think it's something that could be a swing skill for him on offense is the passing and the accuracy wasn't always there, but the vision was, which is really encouraging and something we don't normally see for players his, uh, at his position. Um, 
my my big hang up with him though is the defense. I think off ball it's pretty awful. He gets lost a lot, ball watches a lot, and then doesn't have the athleticism to recover. I think his on ball footwork is good enough, um, and the strength is good enough. But he's really got to either figure out if he wants to slim down and kind of play smaller and more on the perimeter, or bulk up and play more on the interior and kind of be a mid. Uh, offensive mismatch for you know opposing big men and finally wrapping up the top 40 at number 40 obviously we have jake laravia out of wake forest just versatility personified um really good passer really good rebounder i i think he's got more to offer defensively um he just he it's like a keegan murray light with laravia because he's one of these guys that does a little bit of everything and consistently executes at a high level. Um, I, I I think his athleticism is just okay. Uh, he's not, I don't think against NBA defenders, he's going to be doing much uh, on ball creation in terms of scoring. Um, and then defensively, I don't think he provides really any rim protection. So it will be interesting to see where he fits in. I think situation and landing spot could be super important for him as it is with, you know, 99.9% of prospects anyways, but he's just one of these forwards who can do a bit of everything at a pretty impressive level. All right. Well, that is the top 40 prospects of the 2022 NBA draft. According to Tyler Metcalf, you can find that right now on hashtag basketball.com. So be sure to check out that list as well. Tyler, do you have anything you want to talk about here before we wrap things up? Um, please also make sure to go check out no ceilings NBA.com where our consensus big board um, also dropped. Was that today? I think it was today. It was in fact this morning. Look at me, no, no, knowing days and keeping track of things. Um, we're, yeah, we're, we're going to have awesome stuff over there all all the way up until the draft. Um, I'll have a couple more versions of the big board dropping over on Hashtag Basketball. And then I should have something on Turquavion Smith's scoring coming out Friday. All right. Well, he is Tyler Metcalf. You can find him on Twitter at T-M-E-T-C-A-L-F-1-1. And you can find his written work on hashtag basketball with the top 40, as we mentioned, along with No Ceilings, as he mentioned, and Candace Hoopas. You can find me on Twitter at N-B-A-J-O-H-N-S-O-N. And you can also find my work on No Ceilings, NBA, hashtag basketball, as well as at Nets Republic. If you've been enjoying the podcast, please take the time to leave a rating and or a review in whatever podcast player you might be using. That's always much appreciated on our end. And if you have any feedback, feel free to reach out to me either via Twitter or email nickaj.nba at gmail.com. And as always, thanks so much for listening.